Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little radio program or podcast or whatever you call them these days. Uh, it's Smoking and Toasting, the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. This is show number 71. 71. Can you believe that? Wow. We've actually done 70 of these, and after today, uh, 71. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and now open in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. I say this every show, but we are planning a road trip. It'll probably be February uh, once Ian is back with us, and he will uh, he will be able to join us in in Fort Worth. A road and we'll do trip. a show. That's yes, good. For, road trip Fort Worth and for B and B. Yes, up in the frozen yeah. north. So we that's right. wow. <laughs> the Great White North. It's amazing. Uh, we are um, we are based out of Houston, but the show is heard all over the world, and we're on Facebook Live, and we're on uh, uh, YouTube, and you can download the podcast easily from uh, Apple's podcast uh, folder or section or whatever they call it as well as uh, um, the Google Play uh, store for those who are Android-inclined. Ian is on assignment. Uh, we had uh, a great special guest who uh, filled in for him uh, last week, Chris Hart from the Houston Whiskey Social. Thank you, Chris. You were awesome. And uh, this week, my friend and business partner, Pat Fant, is in the studio hey, with us. Hey, how you doing? Houston, this is fun. Houston, Texas radio legend. Now, I didn't know this, but our special guest today was also a bit of a Houston radio legend in, in his own time. Or in my own mind, one of the two, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome, Trey Boring. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good uh, to be here. What was your DJ name? Trey Matthews, Trey because they Matthews. said boring can't go out over the air. <laughs> that, which, is, which is your actual like, Last legal, name, yes, legal absolutely. Name. Right. So, yeah. So it, we, Well, uh, we promised that Trey will not be boring today. I'm sure you're tired of hearing that. Uh, but he is, uh, uh, among other things, a representative from Cigar Rights of America. Yes. And we want to uh, talk a lot about um, what the challenges are for smokers in terms of the regulations and stuff that are coming down the pike, and then uh, talk about what people just ordinary people who may be listening to the show can do, how to step up and how to be supportive, even if you're not, you know, uh, somebody who can go spend money lobbying Washington. Uh, there's there's people who can do that for you. So, Absolutely. Uh, but they all need your help. So we'll be talking about that. And then next week, we want to invite you to join us for show number 72. Maria Todd will be here, Uh-oh. and we will wow. be doing the Light Beer Blind Taste Test 2.0. You won't be doing anything if Maria's here, <laughs> because she will talk the entire time. Yeah, well, that's why, that's why you have to have it. See, with Ian being out for the month, I have yeah, to have people yeah. on who can talk. So. She can, she can Otherwise, make it's a, just me talking, and that's yeah. not good. Maria yeah. can make a conversation of, of anything. I mean, they come up to her table at lunch and go, and what would you like to have? Go, oh, honey, if you want to know what yeah. i'd like yeah let me tell you the story let me tell you this. the story of yeah and, you know it, she's well she's just amazing she's a uh, she's a light beer drinker oh, and really? so e- even though ian and i can you know be a little snobby about the beers mm-hmm. uh we wanted to have a, a maria on and we did this the last time we did the light beer blind taste test because we wanted to have somebody that that was really more of their forte to help balance out the beer snobbery and she did a wonderful job That's of that good. so uh, <laughs> she's great. she's still upset that Mil- uh, that uh, miller light was her favorite out of oh, the of last <laughs> out of the last one well, but uh, you know. uh, but one of the things that happened to us after the first 
light beer blind taste test is we got inundated with people going, hey, you didn't try this light beer or that light beer. So I've been collecting them since that show, and we'll, uh, we'll have a number of light beers that weren't included on the last show that we'll get to do the blind oh, taste good. test 2.0. Good. So that'll be fun, and Maria is always uh, always a blast. Uh, so, Trey, let me welcome you to the studio, and uh, I, I will tell you that I uh, stalked you a little bit on Facebook and went to your Facebook page and discovered, uh, among other things, well, I discovered that you're from League City, yes. Texas, and that you are uh, not only involved with Cigar Rights of America, but what do you do actually for a living? Um, what, what pays the bills? Well, what pays the bills, uh, <laughs> unlike Glenn Loop thinks my day job is CRA, mm. but uh, <laughs> I actually run a consulting firm that does international logistics. We okay. work with clients on strategic planning for them bringing goods into the country, utilizing special trade programs that are available in the U.S., and I've been doing that for 20-plus years now. So I noticed uh, from your Facebook page it looks like you do a bit of traveling. Is that more for the consulting yeah, job or for CRA? Uh, for the consulting job. Okay. Now, what's funny is I every town you go to, I look for a cigar shop because right. – what else are you going to do? I, do I mean, the same. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't find one. <laughs> so I end up trying to find the local cigar shop and and then end up doing a little bit of CRA stuff as well while you're there, being able to yes. talk to folks and, and get them interested in, in what we're doing and what they can do to help. I saw a great shirt, by the way. It said, in my defense, I was left unsupervised and the cigar store was open. Absolutely. <laughs> so yep. that's uh, so that. I noticed, uh, again, back to me stalking you on Facebook, though, that you had posted that you were having a cigar at a, um, a Greycliff smoking lounge in the Nashville airport. Yes. I did not know that existed. Wow. It does. It does. It's uh, right there in the C-terminal. Yeah. And anytime I'm in and out of Nashville, um, or if I have a connecting flight and I have enough time, I jump right in and... It's a smoker's lounge, so you get a lot of cigarette smokers, of course, but yeah. I absolutely enjoy lighting up the cigar and listening to them complain. Uh, well, if it's a Greycliff Lounge, that's not a cigarette company, that's a cigar uh, absolutely. company. So absolutely. It's, it's designed for cigars. You know, the cigar rights conversation makes me think of Mad Men on TV. You know? <laughs> I mean, when you think of... Now, these people, they worked in an office building, sort yes. of. And it's in New York, and they're lighting up every two seconds. And oh, of course, yeah. they're downing another shot of, of, of whiskey for the 10 o'clock meeting, and, and it just goes on. And now, here we are, and we go, we can't even think about lighting a cigar because we're in, you know, the studio. We're is in, in a, a building. Yeah, in right. a building. Yeah. So you go, oh, we can't do it. Well, if it was Mad Men, we sure could, <laughs> you know. And we, and of we course, would. We do yep. have the spirits covered, though, because we That's will right. be sampling. We will That's be sampling right. some spirits and some craft beer as the show goes along. In fact, um, I, I just recently read a review of this and wanted to try it. So we will be uh, sampling the Ron Barcello Imperial Aged Dominican Rum today. Oh. So that should be Ooh. interesting. And we've got uh, uh, Ballast Point's Sea Monster Imperial Stout, which we did not uh, get to last week because we had a lot of a uh, lot of lot of liquids on the show last week. Uh, we also have Bell's Roundhouse India Style Red Ale brewed with honey. And Pat, I did this one for you because I realized we've never done this on the show, and I know it's one of your favorites. We'll also be sampling Real Ales Fireman's Four Blonde, oh, nice. which I know you're a fan of. So we'll we'll be... any blonde will do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, I did have a, a pretty interesting cigar this week that I was going to mention. I um, had gotten, I think, I think I 
got this at the Big Smoke in Las Vegas. Uh, it was the La Flor Dominicana 1994, the Rumba size, and it was a it was a really nice cigar. It was a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with binder and filler from uh, La Flor's uh, farm in the Dominican Republic, the Canela Farm. Uh, it was dark brown. It had a little more of a reddish hue than most of the La Flor's, and the pre-light was dark and earthy, very rich tobacco aromas. It lit easily and like was huge on the beginning, like notes of pepper and uh, even some uh, almost like meat or beef jerky sort of notes uh, right off the bat. Started off very strong, but then it mellowed out when I was about a half inch in or so. And uh, as I smoked it, the earthiness kind of stayed with it the whole time. Uh, some very pleasant sort of bread yeast uh, sort of flavors and cinnamon uh, coming through. It was nicely complex, medium to full for sure. And that was what I really liked about it because the last several Lafleur Dominicanas that I've had have been their really super powerful double ligero uh, type things. And they're like, well, you got to be ready for those. You better have eaten a big meal. Yeah. You know? uh, but this one was a, a little more subtle and I liked it uh, a lot. It's nice to see Lafleur doing a cigar that's not that strong, although I did read a, a quote from uh, Lito Gomez with Lafleur, who says he'll never make another mild cigar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess that's just uh, their thing. But uh, I did pair it with a short glass of uh, TX blended whiskey. It was a great pairing. It's about an $8 cigar and price to quality. I'll give it about a six and a half. Trey, our price to quality scale that we do on the show is basically a one to 10 scale. And if you give the cigar a five, it means you got exactly what you paid for. So if you get a six, six and a half, that's saying, yeah, this is a little better than the than the price. And of course, I didn't actually pay the eight bucks for it, but we certainly paid the entry fee to uh, the Big Smoke, which was much more than eight bucks. So. You know, Absolutely. I, can, I can think of a lot of other things that you could apply that scale to. Oh, that, yeah. That is a, that's a, a great idea. Well, you know, one of the things that, I, that makes me a little crazy about the cigar magazines when they do their ratings is that uh, it's it's a zero to one hundred rating, but even the worst cigars are getting like eighty fives and eighty sixes. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of you're looking for well, okay, does it have to be above a ninety to be to have been really spectacular? You know, I, 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 that's a little hard to to mm-hmm. to qualify. So when Ian and I have used this scale since we've been on the show, and boy, if we come up and say something's a seven or eight, we're like we're going wow, oh, yeah. you got way more than you paid for it. You know, and if you got a five, means it was good it was just exactly right exactly what it what it should have been you know so well that's interesting to use that scale because my my process of any cigar is would i pay that money to smoke it again that's a and, really and good way to look at it yeah i've talked to guys all around the country in cigar shops everywhere and it is funny how that is a very common hmm. judgment factor right I, and i spent x on it would, would I, I spend do it, again? it again yeah, yes exactly that's really good and when you get to the seven and eights you're looking at would i buy a box right Exactly. Well, we we kind of think of sevens and eights uh, that range as being definitely premium, and mm-hmm. once you get over ten, it's super premium. You know, yep. if it's a thirteen, fourteen dollar cigar, that's okay. But man, it better deliver. You know? Absolutely. Mm. What do you like to smoke uh, when you're, you know, just lighting up uh, on your own? You know, I am a, a very wide and varied smoker. Mm-hmm. I smoke just about anything from the Padrones and the Lafleurs. Uh, all the way to there's actually a few general and altitus cigars that I I enjoy mm-hmm. and I love a lot of the boutique guys uh, yeah. from the small guys to the big guys but I tend to be a more full bodied person like for me the uh, the Lafleur you were talking about 
uh, that for me, unfortunately, I would tell you is my morning type cigar. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you know, some guys, you know, go for like the Connecticut's and the the very mild thing if they're having a morning cigar. You you start up the scale, huh? Well, that for me, that is a mild cigar for okay. my palate. Right, right. But you know, it's one of those where. Um, uh, Lito and I had a conversation one time at a cigar event, and he he laughed. He goes, "I think you burned your palate." I go, "Probably." <laughs> and and I, bl- I told him I blame his chisels because well, those that was are, it. so that's one of the that and I would say probably the diesel are among the strongest things that I've ever smoked, just in terms of the sheer power. And I'm really more of a medium full guy. I, I like I like lots of lots of strength, but I I really want really want to be able to tell the complexity. And sometimes with things like the chisel. I enjoy it for what it is, but but I'm 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 not quite there with it with it being just uh, maybe maybe a little too. Like I said, eat a big meal before you yes before you have a cigar like that. Well, that's that's really interesting. So I want to ask you a lot of uh, questions about CRA, and we'll do some sampling coming up in the next uh, segment. And there's a lot going on in the news, by the way, including um, there's a cigar-shaped asteroid out there that some people think is an alien spaceship. Now that's a promotion there. It, yeah, it's who, not. We'll tell you why. <laughs> coming up, it's smoking and toasting. That's nice. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And let me just say this one thing to you. If you're going to try B&B, which you should, because uh, not only are they awesome to sponsor the show, but it's a really great place to eat. Oh, yeah. you're, you're, if you're going, you're probably thinking steak, and that's not a bad thing to do. Have However, the bacon. You have to have the bacon. Have the bacon. That bacon appetizer <laughs> is just, there's, there's, yeah. Yes. There's no real words I can use to you know, fully describe. Basically, how just good that is just just get up, get in the car, and go to B and B Butcher kind of right now, and just say, "Give me the bacon." I would be interested to know if anybody has ever gone in and just ordered yeah. the bacon after hearing us talk about it in the show. That's right. <laughs> okay, enough about bacon. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, enough folks. about bacon. Uh, Trey Boring is with us. Trey is a representative from Cigar Rights of America. Trey, one more thing I noticed on Facebook. Uh, you, I laughed out loud, so there is such a thing as LOL mm-hmm. when you actually do laugh out loud. But I laugh out loud at the uh, post that you uh, that you put up about uh, a five-year-old kid uh, in front of you that uh, that uh, farted on the plane? You know, I, I tell everybody I'm going to write a book one day. Actually, I'm going to write two books. The two books that I'm going to write are Conversations You Have in a Cigar Shop. Oh, that's a very good because idea. I'm going to tell yeah. you that it's wide, varied, and unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I'm going to write is a book because I tend to fly uh, a particular airline, and I'm going to write a book that says Southwest Airlines, they do serve nuts. And it won't be about peanuts. <laughs> the stories that you get from just passengers and experiences on the airplane oh are God, crazy. Yeah. And last night, flying in from Nashville, uh, this young boy sitting in front of me just let out a very loud fart. And his mother, looking mortified and horrified at him, he goes, Mom, airplanes give me gas. <laughs> Well, now, there you go. That's what makes it funny. That's and, and a five-year-old. It's that. a five-year-old. And the funniest thing is, is I'm dying laughing out loud behind her. Which really proves that most men never mature beyond the age of fifteen. Anyway, there's so that's no question. I mean, there's you go no in a question. boardroom and somebody makes a fart joke and everybody's laughing. Yeah, oh, that, right. That's all. That's disarming. George Carlin used room. to say, "Farts are funny." Yeah. They sure. just absolutely. Are. Yeah, they just are. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Cigar Rights of America. Tell me uh, before we uh, before we taste the real ale. Tell me about 
what are the latest challenges? Because there's been a lot of stuff in the press about these latest regulations, and then they didn't go into effect, or some time was given. Where does all of that stand? What's the biggest challenges that cigar smokers uh, and cigar lovers face right now? Well, the biggest thing is still the FDA and these regulations, because while we have had some minor victories, I would call them, Mm -hmm. uh, with delays in implementation and things of that nature. Um, The lawsuit that has been put forth by both the IPCPR, CRA, and a couple of other organizations related to uh, premium cigars, um, we still haven't got that to a conclusion where there's been a win. And uh, it's still ongoing. Things are still moving forward. Um, don't want to make it sound negative. I mean, things right. are there. There's some positive things, yeah. yeah, positive things happening, and then you know things that are just taking the next step. But the FDA regulations really are the key because we, if we go into effect with those, uh, you're going to lose a lot of things such as uh, uh, big smoke events and things mm-hmm. of that nature, where it will get to a point where the uh, people that are putting those on have to create a way where it's not a giveaway cigar and. Right. Because um, of most of those, you're paying a, a, a ticket price, ticket price and to get in. To get in, and but what you get out of it is right. what you're able to sample. So yeah. there, you know, there's going to be some elements where um, you know, the state of California already does that with mm-hmm. uh, their event, which is why you don't see very many big events. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, here in Houston, we have Texas Cigar Festival that mm-hmm. Sirius put on for many years. You have the big Stogies Wingding event. Yep, the Wingding. Yeah. Um, you get up to uh, Fort Worth. I know Underground has their big event that they that they do, and there's there's others around the country. Uh, in Pennsylvania, you've got a lot of those. Um, but what happens in California, the state tax prevented them from doing it. Now, I have a friend that owns a beer and wine bar in Bellflower, California, uh, that's also a cigar shop, only one in in major wow. part of L.A. County. And he did a bonanza this past uh, January, in fact, a year ago. And what he did was is the ticket price got you a discount on a purchase. And that's the way he got around the free cigars. So, in essence, you and I still got free cigars for our ticket price. Right. But it was but he found the legal way way to do that. And I think you're going to see people have to be that creative. Hmm. And then the other thing is it's just uh, the blends. And I think the fact that the FDA, if all these do go into effect, are going to kill the boutique industry. Yes. And and that is going to be really bad for most of us in the cigar industry. Uh, culture here where we enjoy trying a little here, a little there. and It's one of the things that's awesome about cigars is walking into that tobacconist, walking into that humidor and looking and going, oh, that looks interesting. I uh-huh. haven't tried that. And to be able to try and sample, we talked about the the test being, would I pay that Right dollar amount for it again, that that really is the key. It's it's not just about having your favorites because everybody has their right. favorites, but it's also about I think I'm going to try this and and see what it's like. It seems to me that the the real issue for people who smoke premium cigars is that this uh, legislation that CRA and the others are fighting it, it really doesn't make an appropriate distinction between premium hand rolled cigars. Right. And the machine-made stuff that you buy behind the counter, the at backwoods, stop and go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it, it it is clearly a differentiation. I mean, right. you know, a premium cigar is a premium cigar, and you know, the Tobacco Control Act originally, as it was initiated, was all about keeping kids from smoking. Right. Yeah, that's what most of that legislation with the cigarette companies and everything was all about. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I, I hang out in cigar shops around the country, and I'm going to tell you right now, I never find a 16-year-old sneaking in to spend $12 on a cigar. No, you just it, doesn't it doesn't happen. happen. Yeah, it just and doesn't so happen. they're trying to regulate us under the same rules that really don't apply. And we've talked about this on the show before, but there was a study that was done, a government study, where your tax dollars and mine were spent to determine that teenagers don't smoke premium cigars correct they don't buy them they don't smoke them i'm like you know i could have saved you a lot of money just exactly. visit a couple of cigar shops and you can tell you oh know? yeah and and that's been part of what we're using in the uh, the lawsuit and other uh lobbying efforts that cra is doing and you know we've got uh, a few good things in in some of the budgets and uh, in the budget and it's you know we've got some legislative results i think that could potentially come down the pipe i think we've got a good administration that will sign it because they're for smaller government mm-hmm. whether you agree with this guy or not it's right. it's definitely about smaller government which i think helps us uh quite a bit but it's all about lobbying i mean yeah. everybody needs to be involved well what is the fda goal what behavior are they trying to encourage or discourage by Having these kinds of regulations, I mean, where are they trying to? What's the problem they're trying to fix? Tobacco use. Tobacco it, use. That's by anyone. particularly that, by teens, but but by, by anyone. anyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think that the you know a part of the problem uh, too, and it's funny because as this has developed, you know, marijuana has become legal in a number of different states. But a part of the problem was that uh, kids would often buy these cheap cigars in mm-hmm. uh, um, you know in convenience stores and then they would basically use them to they they'd put the joint inside the cheap cigar and use it to basically disguise mm-hmm. correct the smell of the of the uh, uh, marijuana which they is don't now worry legal. about that anymore well, they, don't, no. they don't have to in right. a number of states and and right. even in many of the states where it's not legal the you know the enforcement uh, or what you call it they've they've ta- tagged down the enforcement so much that it's not really that big of a deal all the while this legislation still comes down i mean there's there's stuff in this uh, legislation if it were to pass that says that a premium cigar would have to have one third of the packaging on the cigar would have to be a warning label right right yeah right. i mean that's just uh, i understand the warning label thing but come on one third Jeez. of the entire packaging on every cigar and one of the biggest problems you talked about the boutique industry is that it would make it so expensive and time consuming for them to launch new blends right that mm-hmm. because of the way the uh, the regulation would go into effect so it's it's a bummer we'll talk in a minute about uh, what we can do as ordinary people to fight for our rights to uh, smoke cigars uh, but first I wanted to try and this Pat I know is one of your favorites it's the fireman's Ford that's yours right there let me the ask you this Cruz do I owe a convenience fee or something <laughs> here or do I just start drinking oh no you just start drinking oh. Okay. So this is your first time to sit I in and like sample on the show, show. but this uh, is great. Uh, the only the only thing that's required is just that you talk a little bit about what you taste and what the flavors are that you're that you're finding in this. And I will tell you right off the bat, this is a beer that I enjoy with cigars from time to time because it you know we talked about how much I love IPAs, but how so many IPAs the bitter um, uh, hop taste that it can leave after you swallow it down doesn't mesh well with cigars. So I either will go with the darker things, like the stouts and the porters and those, or I'll go with the lighter ones. And this is a blonde ale, and I think probably one of the better blonde ales. It's from Blanco, Texas, and these guys, this is this is the beer that I think real ale is most known for, is their fireman's for. Yeah. Mm. It's a very, very smooth, 
but it has a lot of richness to it. Well, and that's what I really like. It's not. It doesn't come off as a light beer without right. any flavor. There's it's no cut. bite. But there, there is no bite. There's that's no right. bite. Yeah, it's just as smooth that's as it That's what can I be. like about mm-hmm. it because I can't really abide the heavy hop and mm-hmm. the heaviness of, of the IPAs. That, but you want some flavor. But I want some flavor. I, right. don't, want, right. I don't want flavored water. Right, exactly. And so this and beats that. I, I think this is one of the better examples. I would put this and maybe the... Uh, bombshell blonde mm-hmm. from uh, mm-hmm. our friend Southern up at Southern Star Southern up in Conroe. Uh, I would put these two as kind of at the at the forefront of some of the better Blondales that I've that oh, absolutely. I've tried. Absolutely, I, I just think they they satisfy. They're great in the summer if it's a hot day. You can still drink these very sessionable, but they uh, they don't don't have that aftertaste. They don't uh, they don't. And I've had a few Blondales that do have a little bit of the bitter aftertaste. Right. Uh, I guess in in an attempt to you know to bring that flavor in. Uh, but this, but this, I just think is is very clean and it's good, really cold. Oh, it's very good. Yeah, and what, blonde is because mm-hmm. it's just light. It's just the, it's the the color, the light color, the color, and that's you know become a style of ale. Is the blonde ale you'll mm-hmm. you'll see these are almost always that straw color uh, yeah. uh, straw color. If they're too uh, if they're too light, you know, bl- blonde ale is a correct description. Pale ale is not always right because sometimes pale ales can be very dark but uh but blonde ale yeah they're almost always you can this take this tailgate very in, light you know. yes you can all right so we've done a little bit of tasting we'll do more plus i want to um get some info from trey about how we can make a difference just ordinary people who uh enjoy cigars we'll be back at smoking and toasting Welcome back to show number 71. It's smoking and toasting craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Bacon. Bacon. Get, get the bacon. <laughs> no, um, right. We just we have to stop. Um, uh, interesting article I stumbled across that I uh, wanted to share. Th- the three craft beer styles, according to... Uh, according to one of the bigger uh, craft beer sites on the web, that they are predicting are the styles set to go mainstream in 2018. All three of these kind of emerged as being more popular in 2017 than they had been, and now they're saying these may become very, very mainstream. The first is lagers, Mm. uh, which is interesting because there's been so much focus on ales, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the IPAs or or just uh, even something like the Blonde Ale that that we just sampled. Been a lot of focus on that over the last uh, five to ten years. Loggers now seem to be um, emerging as something that a lot of breweries are experimenting with and doing more with. And the difference between the lager and the ale is where the yeast is is added, whether it's at the bottom or the top. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's just a, a different brewing process. And uh, they recommend in this article three to try on each of these so I'll pass these along to you they recommend Lager of the Lakes by Michigan's Bell's Brewery and by the way we are going to try a Bell's uh, beer in this segment, it's not the lager but uh, we will be trying their Red Ale with Honey Uh, they also recommend Hell 
by Surly Brewing Company from Minneapolis. Yes, it's Surly. <laughs> and uh, Brooklyn Lager by Brooklyn Brewery, which I've had and I do agree is yeah. really, really fantastic. So, um, Then the next category is Sours. And Sours had a big year in 2017. Uh, and they say, you know what? Uh, in 2018, you can expect these more tart, fruity kind of beers to gain momentum and spill out into the wider beer-drinking uh, public. Sour, the term can be used to encompass a, a variety of beers from the traditional Belgian lambics, lambics and the Goza, which is the German style on that, uh, to a whole range of crazy things that have been experimented with in the United States. But I always felt like sour is really, I, I call them, I'd call them tarts. Like yeah. they don't, they're not really sour. They just have a sort of a tartness to them. At least most of them. I guess I have had a few that really were. Yeah. Uh, sour. Is that some of the but, grapefruit and strawberry and all well, those. Well, things? actually, there and there are some of those. I mean, the, uh, the probably my favorite sour that I've that I've ever had uh, is uh, done by St. Arnold, and it's their raspberry AF that yeah. they do. They took. Uh, what was a sour, which was only available in the big bombers that they had, they basically took that off the market, added raspberry, brought it back as this raspberry AF, and that that's just I almost always have some of that in the refrigerator. It's just it's just a favorite. So uh, the sours they recommend in this article uh, are uh, uh, atrial rubicite from Austin, from the Jester King Brewery. Supplication from California's Russian River Brewing uh, Company, which is a very well-known and very popular craft brewery. Yep. And Fuzzy by Side Project Brewing out of St. Louis. And then you mentioned the fruit. It's almost like bands now, it, it, you know? it is. It I mean, is. The, it really is. <laughs> it's like bands with funny names and now, you know, breweries and beers with Breweries funny and names. beers. That's absolutely right. You know, Wicked Weed and so many of oh, the yeah. very creatively named uh, breweries. And Pat, you mentioned the you know the grapefruits and the oranges mm-hmm. and the blood orange that spills over into the third category which is what they call New England IPAs mm-hmm. and the New England IPA style it's it's a cloudy floral very fruit forward cousin of the West Coast IPA which is more kind of like bitter and straight ahead hops and this has been a big trend in 2017 and they're predicting that it spills over these are usually cloudy they're hazier like a Hefeweizen but it's a, mm-hmm. a much different uh, flavor and has a tendency uh, like it said to be very fruit forward I've uh, and, and more sessionable too than your typical uh, West Coast IPA the um, Meaning that you could have several of them and not feel like you, you know, like you're so heavy from uh, drinking those things. Honey, that, I'm going to a session. Yes, and, that's right. Which means, oh, you won't be back for a while. They, that's right. They recommend Hetty Topper from uh, Vermont's Alchemist Beer, Green by Treehouse Brewing Company out of Massachusetts, and uh, Swish by the Bissell Brothers Brewing Company in mm. Maine. So had so. quite a few treehouse yeah. beers. Have you, when I, I travel on the East Coast, uh, they're they they make a wide variety, obviously, like most of these craft brewers. And uh, they've I've never had that one, but they have some great beers. I lived in Boston for seven years and became a huge fan of Harpoon while I was there. Uh, not to mention. Uh, the Sam Adams people, but so many of the uh, Massachusetts and New England area breweries that you hear about now weren't even open yet when no. I was there. I mean, we had uh, uh, we had uh, Harpoon, which I mentioned, and we had uh, the guys that do uh, Number Nine Magic Hat yeah. uh, out of Vermont uh, were there. But Clown Shoes and and so many of the other ones that I hear a lot about now came after. 
uh, I left. So I've had to sample whatever ones of those I could find that made their way uh, here to Texas. One of the uh, breweries that gets a lot of oh, attention. Thank love you. that sound. Have a nice uh, day. <laughs> that, made, that, that made its way, uh, the beers have made their way to Texas, is Bell's, which is based out of Michigan. Yep. And they have a huge respect as a great craft brewer. And all of a sudden, about midway through last year, they started showing up on the shelves at Specs and other places. And it, it was a it was a huge thing for Ian, my partner on, on the show, who's, who's not with us uh, today, but he was a big fan because he has a brother who lives up there and they yep. goes up to visit has sampled the beers but he's actually never talked to me about this particular one so i'm i'm pouring this now and i'll pass these around this one is called roundhouse it's bell's roundhouse so they describe it as an india style red ale brewed with honey so it'll be interesting to see whether it is more of a typical red whether it's more of like an IPA because they're saying it's an India style or whether the honey kind of takes over and makes it more uh, of, of that, you know, sort of honey sweet uh, type, type of beer. I'll pass that to Adam and then I'll pour this. And I have not ever tried this. So this one's, mm. this one's a new one for me. What do you think? Smell the, it. The nose. The yeah, you, nose you get some nice honey on the nose, yeah. don't you? you do. Yeah. Yeah. It, you get almost an IPA with honey on yes. it. Yes, and, and it's interesting because it calls it a red, but I've had plenty of IPAs that were that color that don't describe themselves as a red. So, uh, mm. well, I'll tell you, I think that's terrific. The that honey, is terrific. The honey really cuts the uh, the bitterness and makes it very, very drinkable. And these guys, I'm not sure they make a bad beer. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Bell's is just... <clears throat> Every one I've ever had yeah. when I've been in Michigan, and I've was going to Michigan for work quite a bit and found Bell's before they came down here. Mm -hmm. And they, again, just wonderful craft brewery that just makes great beer. You know, the the bitterness is there, but they make it a part of the whole experience because the bitterness sort of comes 10 seconds after. Right. right? It's definitely a delay when you get Mm -hmm. first – on the first finish, you get the honey. And right. then you just get that little bit of the hop bitter after right. after the honey. And if kind you're of a, if you're a hop forward IPA guy, this would, mm-hmm. this would be a good mm-hmm. beer for you. Well, absolutely, because, there, because it does have a different. Yeah. Right, it has a little different uh, impact with the honey. It it really does. It says on the can that this uh, I R A, which is India Red Ale, I suppose, what that stands for. This I R A features bright, juicy tropical fruit and citrus aromas, balanced. With a judicious amount of toasted and caramel specialty malts, so it's interesting they didn't, they didn't really talk about the hops at all uh, when they're describing uh, the beer on the can. So, uh, Bell's Roundhouse, and I did pick this up here in Houston, so um, you can get it. I think all over Texas, and of course in Michigan and anywhere else that Bell's is, has managed to uh, to spread out to. But you're right; they are a they are a brewery that has a, a great deal of respect. They're Absolutely. they're ones that people people kind of hold up as a shining example of the best in in craft brewing. Um, let me uh, go back to CRA questions here, if I could. Tell me what um, what I can do just as a person that enjoys cigars. I read about this legislation; uh, it makes me crazy. I love knowing that that Cigar Rights of America and some other groups are banding together to fight this and lobby against it. But what, how can I help? Is, is there really such a thing as writing your congressman? Is that part of it? Absolutely. I, I have led, uh, alongside many other folks at CRA, um, the grassroots effort that we have tried. And mm-hmm. um, the first thing I tell everybody, and 
you know, knowing that I'm an ambassador for CRA, everybody says, well, you've got to say, join the organization. That's got to be your first thing. And I said, well, yeah, but it's true. Because when we go in to talk to a congressman, and I've talked to uh, both senators here from the state of Texas about these issues, um, if I have a big number of members, and I can stress how many members I have, that's how many voters out there that are going to participate in their interest with this issue. And so I tell everybody, join, because the NRA, the Sierra Club, any other organization that has an agenda mm-hmm. um, drives it from their membership. Right. That's they what say, gives them any justification to walk in and talk to a congressman. Yeah, you gotta you got to pay attention because we're X number of people strong. Correct. And on, a, on an individual level, um, especially when we're dealing with state issues, because we always have some person... I think this last legislative session, it was really not talked about a lot. It died well before it even went into committee. But we always have the statewide smoking ban, which Mm is um, many people in Austin want us to have the Houston-style smoking ban everywhere in the state. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of communities that don't have those bans, you know, and and spring, for instance, here north of Houston. Bars can determine if they want to allow smoking or not. You know, those are the types of things that certain cities have freedoms to do. Do they promote that, talk about it, or do they bother to make that? I think some of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, those that really focus on, you know, that getting market. their drinkers and that yeah. market in. But the thing that I tell everybody is all you have to do is write a check to your local state rep mm-hmm. or the guy that you think is going to help you. Right. And, you know, you write a guy a $200 check that's running for state representative, and that's coming from an individual. And you have his attention? You have his attention because sure. you are a voter. So your $200 may not be a lot because he may get from this other lobbying organization or this PAC, he may mm-hmm. get $1,000, $10,000, but he gets $200 from a guy that goes into the voting booth and a guy that talks to his neighbors. Sure. Yes. So I tell everybody, you don't have to give a lot of money, but do it. And then get involved. Volunteer for the guy. Block walk for someone. If you're volunteering, you have his or her ear. And that means a lot when we're actually trying to impact change you know this is all a big libertarian issue you know where it's just the leave me alone crowd right you know (laughs) yeah it's like i know that you know we've got to have a national defense the roads have to work and all these things but can i or can i not smoke a cigar should not be part of the assignment of what the feds are there to do so you know big libertarian issue oh absolutely i want to pick this back up when we come back into the next segment and i'm also picking up a bottle of ron barcello imperial dominican rum and we'll be trying that in the next segment as well you are listening to smoking and toasting The Houston, Texas-based band, The Sufferance, who are awesome. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 71. We've titled it Fight for Your Right to Smoke a Cigar. And uh, this is the radio program that's all about fine spirits, craft beer, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Ian, my uh, partner on the show, by the way, is on assignment. He will be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks to Pat Fant for filling in for him today. And thank you to our special guest, Trey Boring, uh, who is with the Cigar Rights of America Association. Association is that right? Yep. Is it, it's just C, it's just CRA. CRA Cigar yeah. Rights of America. And so we were talking uh, in the last segment about 
what you can do as an individual. And you were saying that it does still make sense to write your congressman. It does still make sense if you are if you think there's a congressman or representative that that you can count on to support your agenda, that if you uh, make some kind of donation to their political campaign, that they are very apt to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, me as a voter giving you money as a candidate Mm -hmm. means a lot more than a political action committee, a PAC, giving you money. Right. Because a PAC's giving you money because they want to influence you and you need a lot of money to run. Right. When I give you money... I represent the guy that's actually going to go into the voting booth and, and punch a button. Punch a button, mm-hmm. yes. And that means something to uh, candidates. Now, unfortunately, smaller smaller race candidates, it means more to uh, your congressman, your state rep, your state right. senator. Um, you know, when you get to senators, you know, federal, you know national senators and, and presidential campaigns, Unfortunately, you have to have a lot of money, right? Before you're before you're noticed, right. you know, you're as noticed. much. Sure. sure. Uh, now, when you join CRA, is there are there dues? How does that how does that work? It's uh, it's generally thirty five dollars a year. Okay, um, so that's not bad. Not bad, and uh, they'll usually send you because the cigar manufacturers partner with us. They usually send you a couple of cigars, you know. So oh, that's I mean, very it's, cool. It's yeah. very much like uh, an NRA. You know, you they give you a freebie when you sign up, kind right. of thing. While do I get still, a welcome well, kit in the mail? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I love those. While it's still legal to do that, I guess. Correct. You know, that's right. that, correct. So so join now. Join now. <laughs> join now. And you know, it's it's one of those things where. Um, at, at different festivals and things. I mean, we'll have tables mm-hmm. set up. And I've some, seen your booth at a number of different things. Sometimes you can, you know, you can get a discount if you sign mm-hmm. up at one of the festivals. But it's all it's all really about numbers. And and our, our point to everybody is if you think your $35 really makes or breaks the overall process, is it, is it doesn't. Right. But it helps. And right. the thing that means the most to CRA is you as a yeah. person. Yeah. You as a member is what makes the difference because then we can call you to action. We can get you to do things. Mm-hmm. We can give you the resources you need in order to talk to your local congress uh, congressman's office and and do the things that we need done in order to push this agenda forward. A lot of the groups that are for this increased regulation of cigars are groups that are very well organized. Mm-hmm. They have very uh, well-funded lobbying campaigns going on in Washington. And this is what you can do as a person who enjoys your right to smoke a cigar. Yep. This is what you can do to make sure your voice is heard as well. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, lobbying's one of the biggest reasons a bill passes or doesn't pass, correct? It's a- like absolutely. artificial intelligence. That's what the, that's what you're lobbying. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> that's absolutely. What, that's what that is. You know, where does the pipe guy come in here? Uh, or gal, I guess. Well, the interesting thing for pipes is caught up in all this mess has been um, the, the regulations within the FDA that talk about being a manufacturer. Hmm. And there are many that believe that the enforcement from a pipe tobacco standpoint will come in relative to your local cigar shop or, or tobacconist uh, that also does pipes, or maybe it's strictly a pipe store, mm-hmm. may do their own blends, right? They may right. take a few different tobaccos and they may make a, a blend. Custom blend. Custom blend for their, blend yep. for their shop. 
And does that, under these FDA guidelines, constitute being a manufacturer? Well, if it does, hmm. you're talking about a $100,000 investment for a store to get licensed with the FDA if all wow. these regulations go through. That's wow. absurd. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I may be misquoting the number, yeah, but it's but some, right. somewhere crazy. But it's something like some that. Some crazy yeah. number. And, and so the, the pipe guys really have a stake in this as well because, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing that we talked about with the boutique cigar guys. If I've got to spend a hundred grand to get certified, do I sell enough cigars to do that? Right, it's, and 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 that may be all my profit for the last three cost, years. Yeah, I cost mean, of entry is so high. Right. Yeah, and so it's the same principle. Is if that you, you draw that back down to pipe tobacco, and then basically we're you know we're all smoking King Alberts and uh, yeah. and, and and you know. Uh, um, Macanudos or something that's been around for a long mm-hmm. time because no new cigars will be able to come out because of the, the cost and the barrier to entry. We had Rocky Patel on the show uh, a month or so ago when we were in uh, Las Vegas for the Big Smoke, and he talked a bit about his efforts in uh, Washington uh, lobbying and talking to me. Mm-hmm. Is 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 that something that happens alongside what you're doing? Does he join forces with you? Is he his own sort of entity in doing that? Well, I, I think all of the manufacturers represent themselves mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, it is the industry that, that pays their bills. Right. However, Rocky is a board member of mm-hmm. CRA and is a very staunch supporter of CRA. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some very humorous stories that have less than colorful language of conversations <laughs> I've had with Rocky. I can only um, imagine. Related to CRA. But, you know, yeah. it's it's an interesting thing is the answer to your question is yes and yes. I mean, mm-hmm. they are doing it because they need to, mm-hmm. but they're also doing it in conjunction with not only CRA, but IPCPR, which represents the retailers right. and, and other organizations, because this is a, a fight for the survival of an industry. Rocky was saying in the earlier days of the Rocky Patel Cigar Company, after he renamed it from Indian Tobacco, mm-hmm. he spent most of his time on the road promoting the brand, going to cigar shops and events and whatever. And now he spends most of his time doing things that are more politically driven mm-hmm. and, and supporting these kind of causes because that's where he feels like his time is best spent right now. Yeah, I agree, and and there there are multiples of guys out there doing that in the industry that are big supporters, and and Rocky tends to be one of my heroes because he does take a forward approach, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything. I mean, if you've ever been out drinking with Rocky, he takes a very forward approach as well. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's yes, it's one of those things where he, he he never shies away from what he needs to do to protect your and I's right to smoke. Where is the momentum right now? The momentum is really with Congress. Uh, if we can get um, a lot of the budgetary things passed that are coming along, uh, there are some uh, things that are working through those processes uh, that we potentially hold out hope would mm-hmm. allow for an exemption maybe uh, to be put into to effect and those types of things. Um, but it is really from a legislative standpoint and an administration standpoint. Um, the new director of HHS and you know the FDA director and those types of things Uh, come from an administration that's for small business. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we really believe that we have a good set of momentum Mm -hmm. with a small government crowd. Is that helping? It is helping. It is helping. Mm-hmm. We're we're getting to, we're we're getting a lot of intros. I say we like I'm sitting there in the meetings, but CRA is getting a lot of a lot of intro into these discussions with uh, the other organizations, the mm-hmm. IPCPRs, and everybody as well. But uh, it you know it's it's really uh, you know I, I do this for trade legislation a lot in my day job, mm-hmm. and it is really about finding your inroad mm-hmm. and jumping and running as fast and as hard as you can at that inroad that you have. We don't 
wax too political on the show except for the place where that politics might or might not intersect with, you know, cigars and spirits and, mm-hmm. and uh, craft beer. And I'm actually about to pop the top on this rum. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing always it. A nice, mm-hmm. uh, it's always a nice sound. Oh, there we go. Very wow. nice. Ouch. Um, but, uh, but tell us a little bit about how you feel this particular administration, um, again, whether you like them or not from a political standpoint, just specifically as it relates to the cause and to CRA, you know, Trump is not a smoker. Right. He's not a drinker. Uh, so he doesn't have necessarily a personal passion for these things. But he did appoint a fairly friendly guy to the FDA. Is that right? Correct. Uh, even though the whole idea of FDA being the regulatory body over cigars is, I think, a questionable thing. Uh, but, but what's your take on the environment right now? Is this? Let me ask the question this way. Is this the time to get things done? I think compared to the last eight years, it is the time we have to get it done. Um, and, and again, it's not because this is a passionate issue for anybody. I mean, it's a passionate issue for me. But it's a I, I freedom issue. But it's a freedom issue. And That's it's all. a smaller government issue. And mm-hmm. what we see in the people that he's appointing are people that believe in smaller government. Mm-hmm. And as long as we continue to argue from that standpoint, sure. you know, I can't walk into his administration and go, hey, protect me. They want to take my, away my rights to smoke cigars. You're not going to you're not going to get as not much of a response. Much, right? right. Sure. But if I walk in there and go, look, I've got a government agency that's about to initiate control over a, a segment of an industry. Mm-hmm. And then from that, they're basically going to. That's a good story. That's a good small business. Freedom and small business. Freedom and small business. Plus, Mm -hmm. you look at the the, uh, people that we have that are helping us out from Honduras, Dominican, and and Nicaragua. I mean, if if the FDA kills this industry here, you destabilize three of the nicest, you know, smoothest-running democracies right now in Central and South America America, and the Caribbean. That's right. That's right. Uh, Ron Barcello, Imperial... Uh, Dominican rum, speaking of the Dominican, uh, is what we're sampling today, our spirit for the day. And it is something I read a great review of in Cigars and Leisure magazine just a few days ago. And I picked up a bottle for us to sample today because it paired so well with the cigar that they were pairing it with in the article. And they talked about how it was a, a, a rum that really tasted a lot more expensive than it was. So I thought mm. we would try this today and see what you think. Now, Pat, I saw you make a face. Did it not? Uh... No. In my mind, I'm thinking nurses are standing by. <laughs> this is, mm. uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this is this wonderful. Is, this, is, this is pretty nice on the finish. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting as much on the nose as I was expecting. Are yeah. you? Uh, no. It, you know, <clears throat> it, is a, it is a wonderful, wonderful sipping rum. Yes, definitely. I mean, it, it is. And it's one of those where, much like we talk about cigars, mm-hmm. the price for this, you're going to get your more than value out of what this costs. Because well, it's not very expensive. No, it's really not. I want to say it was about $30. Right. Which even most of the good Añejo rums that I like and, and buy on a somewhat regular basis are in the 40 to 50 range for right. the Añejo. You can get less aging, of course. Correct. By going, But this is... Quite frankly, this is uh, about the same price as most lines mid-level 
uh, rum, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. and it 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 tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's got a little burn on the back, so you know you're having some alcohol. It's yes. a little little yep. bit of a whiskey type finish, mm-hmm. I guess, is mm-hmm. what I would say. Don't light a match. But that's one thing that uh, a lot of the people that I talk to that are trying rums these days are whiskey drinkers looking to you know expand their palate, and so they really like this type of thing. I think it's very good. We'll talk a little bit more about it, and our final segment coming up, we also will be tasting. Uh, the Ballast Point Sea Monster. It's Imperial Stout from San Diego, California. And that's coming up as well. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. So perfect uh, music accompaniment as we start our final segment here of Smoking and Toasting Show number 71 because this rum has transported me to the beach of somewhere, I can tell mm-hmm. you that. This oh, yeah. is This is really terrific. And you, uh, uh, the Ron Barcello Imperial uh, we were mentioning is just not that expensive. And I would almost have to say that for the money... Uh-huh. This might be one of the better rums that I've ever had because it's it is easily rivaling the fifty dollar um, you know strata I think of, of of rums. It's it's really really quite good. Well, and you have to really like a rum with a little bit more of a whiskey finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's not a straight. You know, a lot of good rums out there that are in twenty year old, twenty five year old rums that have a very sweet finish. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place that you love those, but there's yes. a time where you want something with a little bit more of a whiskey finish. And, mm-hmm. and this, I think this has it. And I also think this is good uh, to have in your bar if you have friends who come over that are whiskey fans that mm-hmm. want to try something. Uh, this is a good a Absolutely. good starter for them uh, on rum. A very good starter. Uh, whiskey. Whiskey, speaking of whiskey, uh, Whiskey Wash is one of the more popular uh, whiskey websites, uh, and they have uh, predictions, whiskey predictions for 2018. So I thought I'd share this because before long it, it'll be, you know, the second or third month of 2018, it'll be a little late for predictions. But here's their predictions for the whiskey industry and whiskey fans. Uh, they say, and there's only like four or five of these, America's single malt uh, rise will continue. So talking about single malt whiskeys made in the United States, and that's definitely something that has seen a big year in 2017. They say that will continue and be even bigger in 2017. They say whiskey drinkers, we were just talking about this, will continue expanding their focus to other spirits as well as beer and wine. That uh, it, it says you hang out with whiskey long enough and you can't help pick up some knowledge about other drink categories. Eventually you're going to start to wonder what port tastes like and, you know, Blah 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 blah. So uh, that's that's a prediction for twenty eighteen. So it's a is gateway it? spirit. It's a gateway spirit, uh-huh. and uh, and that's good. We, by the way, we we have mentioned this. We will be putting this together later this year. We will be doing a gateway beers episode Ooh. where we'll be talking about and sampling those beers that are the ones that start you down the path towards craft beer. Mm-hmm. If you've uh, just been drinking the mainstream beers, what what are the best beers for people to go? Okay, I know there's more out there. I want to try it, but I'm scared of the Ballast Point Sea Monster Imperial Stout. What should I do? There are some great. Yeah. I'm a Rolling beers. Rock drinker. <laughs> right, right. What do I do now? What do I do next? <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Uh, they say that acquisitions will pick up speed. They're predicting that a lot of the small uh, craft distilleries will 
uh, go the way of many of the craft breweries in, right. the, in the last year. And uh, they they predict that the bourbon bubble will wobble. They're not predicting that bourbon will actually stop growing, but they're saying that the growth will be slowing a little bit in 2018 uh, for bourbon. And so, uh, Chris Hart, if you're listening, I would really love to see your comments in the uh, Facebook Live uh, thread about whether you think that's accurate or not, uh, because nobody I know knows more about bourbon than than Chris Hart, who was the guest host on the show last week. Uh, and then finally, they say craft whiskey goes worldwide. There are now more than 2,000 craft distilleries in the United States, and the United Kingdom is coming along quickly right behind us. So mm. uh, it's something that you almost always had thought of as being Scottish and maybe Irish uh, is now just proliferating everywhere, the craft distillery. So well, being in Nashville this week, the interesting thing is, is you know, Tennessee whiskey, everybody thinks Jack mm-hmm. Daniels. Right. There are a number of craft distilleries doing Tennessee whiskey, a mm-hmm. Tennessee sour mash whiskey hmm. that are, you know, obviously of the same genre as a Jack Daniels, but they're doing it on their own and they're doing it, you know, in small batch brewery or small batch uh, distilleries. Very interesting. They're very much like um, the craft beer scene mm-hmm. in the St. Louis, Missouri area yep. has exploded. And you think, well, you think of St. Louis, you, know, you think Anheuser Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's the that, that's as mainstream a beer as it gets. But there's so many great little craft breweries cropping up in St. Louis and Kansas City and that mm-hmm. whole area in the Midwest, and it's become uh, it's it's become a thing. I think. And, you know, being a bit of a homer here, but I think that the Texas craft brew scene is just absolutely one of the most exciting in the country right now. I I, I really do. It has been both in the Austin area and Houston, now San Antonio, Dallas-Fort Worth have just some amazing breweries that have cropped up. And there's plant just in Houston alone, there'll be another dozen by the end of 2018. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people in the craft brew uh, scene are predicting that the next real trend is more breweries, smaller breweries. In other words, breweries that have a brewery and a tap room, and maybe they have some distribution out into the local area, but they don't necessarily distribute all across the state or, or in into other states. And so I I like that because it just means more road trips. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's something that And that just more really beer overall. More beer. Just more people <laughs> making beer. We've wow. had uh, reps from Ballast Point on before. They brought some amazing beers, but they did not bring the Sea Monster. And I picked this bad boy up a couple of weeks ago. Actually intended to sample it uh, last week and we ran out of time. Uh, but Sea Monster is Ballast Point's Imperial Stout, and it does come with one of the picture on the front. I don't know if you can pick that up in the uh, uh, in the video feed there, but the picture on the front is of whatever that fish is that has the little light bulb on his antenna and uses that light bulb to attract other fish, and then he eats them. That's who's on the front. That's of the this. disco ball fish. That's the disco ball fish. <laughs> that is the sea monster. So here's an imperial stout, and so it's going to have some kick. And I was telling Trey when we were starting the show that we generally wait until the end for the higher ABVs and yes. that way we don't that way we don't destroy the palate too early and you were mentioning you had some uh, some stout friends that'd be jealous of us for a uh, Oh absolutely I've got out. several friends that are craft brew nuts that are going to absolutely be be upset that I got to try stout <laughs> You know you're right about that bottle and that label that yeah. is a little intimidating It really is you know, to walk and, in and go yeah I'm brave enough to have sea monster uh, stout 
Well, part of the balanced point. Part of the whole reason that it made some sense to do a show where we turn on the microphones and drink stuff and talk about what it tastes like is there's so much out there. You walk into a Specs or right. uh, a, you know one of the uh, one of the places where you're going to shop and there's bottle after bottle after bottle like this and it this might be a $12, $15 bottle. Right. I mean you can get some of these for less, but it's like okay, Am I going to have any luck? Am I going to buy anything that I like if I'm spending fifteen dollars uh, right. on on a bomber? So we thought, That's hey, right. at least we can taste this and tell you what we think. You know, you can, you can have a sip of it and you go, yes, I'm brave enough to try a twelve yes. to fifteen so, dollar bottle, and then I hate it, and then I'm stuck. Right. Well, we're being so. brave for you, and I have a feeling uh, that. We're going to like this. Here's what it says on the bottle while the guys are sampling. Whoa. Our Sea Monster Imperial Stout explores the darkest reaches of the traditional <laughs> oatmeal stout. This bold, rich brew first lures you in with roasted coffee uh, notes. It does uh, that. Then grabs hold with hints of bittersweet chocolate and currant. Let me go. Uh, back me with go. a uh, perfect hop balance, you'll soon discover this is one monster of mythic proportions. So you they know, do a nice they... job of tying it together with the uh, illustration. Here. They let the dough rise twice on on this. <laughs> it's you know? an, an American I mean, stout with oatmeal, and it is ten point oh on the ABV. So, so, so we've had see. higher, but not not too much. Yeah, now, it's a very rich, rich it is stout. Rich. It is almost coffee-like in terms of its consistency. Yeah. Like it's uh, a little thicker than uh, than a lot of the beers. That you might try, but again, the stouts and the porters can often. Although porters mm-hmm. are generally not as thick, but uh, right. but a lot of the stouts can be. This is uh, Ian would say if he were here that this has got a really decent viscosity to it. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, in, in stouts, you get a lot of the flavored ones. You know, you get mm-hmm. the, the chocolates and the different things. And I'm not a big fan of, of a lot of the flavored ones. Right. Th- this is a pretty straightforward stout. Now you get the notes as they're talking. There's about. definitely some cocoa some notes, notes and in cocoa here, yeah. and coffee, but. It's not a flavored stout. Now, Pat, this is definitely much heavier and darker than what you normally drink. Wow. This is not a beer. This is a career right here. (laughs) You know? I mean, you could you could devote your life to try, you know, getting there. It, um, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. It really is. I, I'm I'm not expecting it to become part of your rotation, but what's no, your, but, but what's your take on it as somebody well, who it's, it's, who doesn't normally go this dark or heavy with the beer? I'm going to say it's beautifully executed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the people that 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 built this battleship in a glass really knew what they were doing. I mean, it just, you can tell it's very well done. I'm always interested to try uh, beers that are not what a particular brewery is really known for. Ballast Point is really known for IPAs and for having a lot of different iterations of IPAs, and they were one of the first to really jump into the whole uh, juicy uh, New England-style IPA, even though they're in San Diego, California. And uh, even, even their... Heavier uh, beers have a tendency to be more ales uh, with with a lot of hops to them. This is a completely different animal 
uh, as indicated by the photo and the uh, by the picture on the bottle. But I'm always interested to see. Okay, the, these guys are known for IPAs. What's their stout going to be like? I'm right, going to you know? try to make a White Russian with this stuff. <laughs> you almost could, I think. I, you know, I, really... I think I could. I'm going to I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> Add a little Irish cream to this, and it would uh, it would somebody drink would even say, smoother. "What is in that? I mean, mm-hmm. this little Irish cream, mm. and some vodka. I don't know." Well, this is this is a fascinating beer. I really like it. I'm I'm an occasional stout drinker, but this is, as you said, it's very straightforward. But I love the subtlety of the flavors. Yes, it it really works for me. So, um, we have uh, I had a great time, uh, Trey. Thank you so much for coming in and and for uh, sharing uh, CRA with us and and what it's all about. What are the best ways for people who've heard about Cigar Rights of America who want to uh, find out how they can jump in and, and do something? What, tell us your website and what kind of resources it has. We have uh, C- Cigar Rights of America. Uh, you look us up through any of your web search engines, it's going to pop right up. Okay. Um, the Facebook, if you fo- there's, there's some Facebook mm-hmm. presence there. Uh, when you get to the website, you can find uh, a list of the ambassadors, guys around the country that do what I do. Um, but it also has membership. It has updates, um, ways that you can pull down the latest information of what's going on. We put our updates there for the uh, court case and for the legislation and, mm-hmm. and where we're at. It, we also list the congressmen and the senators that are supporting us. Last question. Are you optimistic or pessimistic right now about the uh, about the chances to uh, to beat back this latest wave and establish a little more of a beachhead while there might be time? I'm more optimistic than I am pessimistic, uh, but uh, you know I get paid to be a realist in right. my career, and uh, the fight's not over. I mean, I need everybody mm-hmm. that can hear this podcast to join in and jump in because this is the time where we need to make hay, mm-hmm. and this is the time we need to do, be pushing the issue. And we need your help. Search it on Google, Cigar Rights of America. Uh, Trey, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, we also encourage you to share the show, whether you share the podcast or share the uh, Facebook Live feed. In fact, I should have talked about this at the beginning of the show, but if you're watching us on Facebook Live, uh, anytime we're on, be sure to hit share so it'll go out to all of your friends and we can uh, we can touch a lot of people with the uh, with the show. That's uh, that's what we're looking forward to doing. Um, I want to thank uh, Pat Fant for uh, you're welcome. sitting and it being fun. A, a wonderful co-host and uh, and I really am looking forward to Ian coming back and he will in a couple of weeks but next week Maria Todd joins us and maybe Steve Robison too I'm oh. working on getting him in the room uh, for a uh, for a really wonderful light beer blind taste test 2.0 we did run out of time for sampling the Mumford and Sons IPA we'll have to get to that next week uh, have a wonderful week my friends and as we love to say at the end of the show cheers cheers cheers, cheers. Ha, ha, ha.